Hi, this is Michael Lardy from Great White, and you're rocking with my friend John Caddick on Iron City Rock. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh-based hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music. Episode 28, we're going to take a departure and uh, travel into some uncharted waters. Great White and Firehouse will be playing the Pepsi Roadhouse in Burgettstown, PA, coming up on February 12th. So we took the opportunity to speak to Michael Liardi, guitarist and keyboard player for Great White, about the show and his career, and a little bit about what you can expect. So I hope you uh, take some time give us some feedback on whether you like us taking the time to speak to some national acts that are coming to the Pittsburgh area. My hope is that in doing that, we're helping out some of the local promoters and drawing people in. And in the situation like with the Great White uh, Firehouse show, local band Ashes to Ashes will be in support of them. So it kind of benefits everybody in the area, which is why um, I thought it was beneficial. But uh, I would appreciate your feedback at ironcityrocks at gmail.com or use the contact on the website, ironcityrocks.com. We listen to a song now that's off of Great White's newest album, a 2009 release on Shrapnel Records. The song is called Situation from an album called The Rising, and then we're going to get right into the interview with Michael Liardi.
Ladies and gentlemen, on the line we have from recording artist Great White, Michael Lardy. Michael, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Wonderful. I want to thank you. Uh, Michael is calling in at, uh, what is this, your time, 8 o'clock in the morning? Give Something like that. Yeah, an un- unearthly uh, time in the morning uh, to take some time out. We wanted to talk about, uh, specifically, you guys are coming to town. Um, Valentine's Day weekend are going to be playing at the Pepsi Cola Roadhouse out in Burgettstown, for those of you who are local, uh, doing a show with Firehouse and Local Boys Ashes to Ashes. So I wanted to catch up with you and see uh, what's been going on in the world of Great White, um, get a little more information on uh, your career and uh, kind of how you got to this point. Um, you came into the band right like during the recording of Shot in the Dark. Is that roughly accurate? Uh yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. I actually worked as uh, a staff engineer on the very first record for EMI, the the, the black record with uh, okay. On Your Knees, Street Killer, that that thing. They went out on tour with Priest on the Defenders of the Faith tour and then came back started doing demos for their next record. And uh, it was at that point I started to um, you know, put some keyboards on their stuff, uh, do a little background vocals and co-penned uh, one of the songs on the record and uh you know we uh went through doing shows uh, <clears throat> in town in Los Angeles because the band had actually lost their deal with EMI and it was time to regroup and so you know I did the um, the LA shows with them in 85 and 86 when the band got re-signed so at the time we were starting uh the once bitten record um it was um one of those things they came to me and said uh you know you're in the band now and I said awesome cool let's go it's an excellent time to get on board because uh, they're really busted in the door. Um, prior to to you being in the band, was Mark Mark Kendall? For those of you not familiar, was he the only guitarist at the time? And you became kind of like rhythm and keyboard, or is that fair? Or, or did you replace someone? No, no, I was an addition. Um, you know, being able to play you know many different instruments uh, was kind of like uh, a good fit for for what the band was doing at the time. Um, you know, so so Mark could, you know, they could uh, kind of have that uh, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, Stephen Tyler, Joe Perry kind of thing. And, um, you know, I was there to, you know, do whatever needed to be done to, you know, add to the thing rather than than replace anything. And, and yeah, Mark was the um, only an original guitarist in the early days when they were a four-piece. Okay. Yeah, I know. So their sound seemed to get, I mean, basically your sound at that point, seemed to me to get a little bit more melodic, a little more radio-friendly. Um, obviously, Once Bitten, uh, a huge, platinum, successful album. Um, did you did you do a lot of writing? I know you said you, you penned one of the tracks on Shot in the Dark, but were you involved in a lot of writing with Once Bitten? Yeah, that, uh, I think I was involved in about six of the tracks on, on that record, and you know, it just kept snowballing, and we got a groove on between Mark, Jack, and myself, you know, and it was just one of those things that... Uh, um, it, it would just was a natural flow of things. It wasn't anything anybody set out to do. Like you're going to become the writer, or this guy's going to do this. It was just everything about what we've done is is always been, you know, uh, the sum of our parts. And uh, that's what's been great about about penning songs uh, with this group of people. I mean, uh, everybody knows uh, when to step up and 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 really be, you know, 
clear about what they think should be, but we also know when to step back and, and hear each other's uh, input. So I, I think that, at the end of the day, is made for better songs. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps. I think Jack's got a very phenomenal range. You know, he's certainly able to nail the, the, the screaming kind of rock tracks, and he's got a great voice, obviously, for ballads. So, you know, as a writer, that's got to give you some liberties. But, uh, yeah, it certainly doesn't. You know, you're not you're not uh, you know put off into uh, you know one specific area. Right. Now, did when you guys got done with one spitting, did you smell success? I mean, did you did you know when you were putting this record out, this is going to be the one that kicks in the door? Or well, we had hoped. I mean, one of the, one of the things I remember very clearly about the the history of of the band is when they were in the studio recording the very first record for EMI. Um, the the sound I think you know I think you'd agree with me, um, John. That it was much more Judas Priest like you know kind of mm-hmm. eighth note driven kind of rock and roll. And I think one of the one of the, one of the moments I remember very clearly is you know when Kendall was warming up before he'd go in and you know do his solos or rhythm guitar tracks for that day. I hear him play this Hendrix and I hear him play this Johnny Winter and I'm like, dude, you know that. Is when More when you that. play that stuff, that's when your soul shines, man. I mean, that I I feel you when you're playing that stuff, you know. And he just I don't, I don't think he really sloughed it off as as thinking anything, um, you know, uh, to take take to heart. But I I think maybe in a subconscious it got burrowed in there, um, and you know, the ability for him to stretch out and and to try different things guitar riff wise um, as as time went on, I think kind of changed the viewpoint so when we did a song like rock me it was so left field from what everybody knew uh the band you know there was down in your knees and then there was rock me it was like different you know more yeah. long form more more blues more space more more uh atmosphere and uh i think when you know jack was singing that way and mark was playing that way it was kind of to me it was kind of like this is what these guys are you know so i think perhaps you know by by process of elimination and, and time working together, we we came to a point of, of finding out what our niche was. Yeah, I think you know had you had the band stayed with the sound of, of as you refer to it, the Black Album, I'm I'm guessing you you would have been lumped into like you said Judas Priest types of clones and probably been fizzled out very quickly because it was as good as an album as it was. There was nothing tremendously unique about the sound of the band compared to a lot of other bands that kind of blew out of that area. So. Yeah, at that at that moment, and you know, I mean, there were a lot of great songs from different bands. I mean, you had the Cinderellas, and you had the Teslas, and you had the White Snakes, and you know, that was that's what worked for them. But I I think the fact that we had space and atmosphere around our production and around our music, uh, with Jack's voice, of course, um, kind of you know, hopefully, you know, throughout the years has been something that you know, when you hear a great White song, you know who it is. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and. It's funny you mentioned some of the bands that you just mentioned, Tesla and Cinderella, bands that I think got a little bit more respect to this day as coming out of that era. You know, a lot of bands get panned off as hair metal, and uh, I think the bands you just mentioned all have a, a similar, you know, at least one foot in the blues, you know, in their music, which I think, you know, kept them from being labeled as maybe a, you know, just a pure glam band. I mean, everyone had big hair in that era, and you know, you guys weren't any different, but there was something a little more um, tangible about your music at the time. You know, something that kept it from being a flash in the pan and just giving you guys a 
what is this now, 25, 30-year career at this, which is wonderful. Hard to, hard to imagine. You know, I feel like when I get up everywhere, I'm still getting away with something. I, I feel so blessed. Yeah, that's, that is wonderful. Now, when you guys went back into the studio to record Twice Shy, um, the, the choice of Ian Hunter's song, which obviously became, you know, the smash hit, um, was that the bands? Was that someone at the record label that said, hey, why don't we, you know, that's a kind of clever play on words with Once Bitten and then Twice Shy. You know, was that, was that, who came up with the idea to cover that song? I mean, Well, historically, as I remember it, uh, Jack was riding in a car with Izzy Stradlin uh, from Guns N' Roses. And uh, Izzy was a great, you know, Mata Hoople fan and, you know, from that era, you know, listening to all the riffs that he wrote for GNR. Um, and he popped in that tape for Jack, and he said, "Man, dude, check this song out, man. You guys would be awesome doing this song. You know, it, it just it would be like you know a perfect fit for you guys." And uh, he played it, and then he got to the chorus, which you know, ironically enough, is one of those weird things that you know pop music is not supposed to do. Wait till 1:45 to hit the first chorus yeah. in the song. That's, that's unheard of. Um, when he heard "Once Bitten, Twice Shy," he's like, "No way." You know, so it was one of those things, you know, and our, and our manager said, yeah, I know that song. You know, it's it's a great song. I think it would be a great cover to do. And, uh, yeah, you know, it just was one, one of those things that, that happened. And, and we thought it would be a great little song to get our foot in the door at AOR Radio, you know, because mm-hmm. we thought, you know, we had five or six other songs that, you know, we were hoping that we would get to. I don't think any of us had any idea that it would blow up like it did. Yeah, I mean, that song was everywhere, I think. Uh, you You played... Piano on that song? Yes. Is that correct? Uh, that has mm-hmm. to be one of the only songs that I can think of that people play air piano to. You know, that little... <laughs> uh, it's such a cool little thing, that little... Um, I don't even know what you'd call it, but uh, I'm sure people know what I'm talking about when you think of the piano in that song. There's that one part where you just really do a really cool little fill, and, you know, the song just really pops, and it was everywhere. And, uh, I mean, that was... Uh, you had some other... Singles off that album was um, Mr. Bone was on that album. Is my memory? Yeah, ironically enough, you know, you talk about the the the, the Rust Belt, you know, as far as as far as America, you know, how, how great they've been with classic rock for years. I mean, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago. Uh, Mr. Bone was actually uh, at Riff and in in Detroit became <laughs> number one on the CHR radio station, you know. And we were the one of the first videos to actually be banned from MTV because it was just a little too suggestive. Yeah, yeah. And look at MTV now. I mean, if they do play, oh, I know. <laughs> it oh. seems kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah, looking at what you, things were banned 25 years ago, you play in the middle of the afternoon now. Oh, I know. After, I mean, that was what a double platinum album, I believe, Toy Shy, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, mm-hmm. I know the band, it seemed like you changed bass players every so often, but I mean, what, what kind of became, I know Hooked came out and was, you know, the whole era, unfortunately, of hard rock sort of changed dramatically in that period of time. Um, did did you guys continue touring that whole time? I know for a while there was kind of a, the lineup sort of splintered apart. Um, you had done some work with Night Ranger, I believe. Yeah, that that was actually many many years later. What we've done in '91 with Hooked has gone on tour the Scorpions, where you saw us, and okay. then in '92 we recorded Psycho City, and we did a short stint with Kiss, 
and then we went in and did theaters and clubs that year. And we were one of the first bands, you know, of national status that actually did that because we saw the market out there, and there wasn't a lot of tours going out because obviously the things were changing with Nirvana and Soundgarden and and so on and so forth. Um, that that was changing, you know, uh, the whole thing about whether or not we could go out and do arenas. So we decided to go out and do the theater club thing and. You know, we've we've been able to make a living at that. And, you know, throughout the years, we've done an album or two, you know, here. We did Sail Away in 94. We did uh, Can't Get There From Here in 98. Uh, and then there was a period of time where Jack wanted to uh, essentially reinvent himself, you know, as a, as a solo artist. So okay. we took a break from the band in 2002. And okay. uh, it was during that time that Jack Blades had called me up. And said, um, well, you know, I know you're not playing with Great White now. And I said, uh, yeah, what what am I going to do? Because this has been part of my life for 20 years. I was like, uh-oh, you know, what do I do now? And he goes, come play with us, you know. Uh, you know, Fitz is, you know, working, uh, you know, with Bruce Springsteen this year as, as you know, one of his under understage guys. And he's working with Lenny Kravitz and doing this and that. And, and uh, you know, we don't do a lot of dates, uh, so... You know, come hang out with us for a while. And after about uh, three months of subbing in the summer of '03, it was kind of like um, we enjoy. You know, the band said, you know, we really enjoy your energy, uh, the way you, you know, uh, how much fun we have with you. So, you know, we'd like to stick with you if you're interested. So I was like, yeah, you know, this this is a lot of fun. This is great playing these songs. I mean, you think about those, all those songs. Yeah. You know. Are ingrained in in our consciousness, but you know here's here's a little uh, subtext to that whole thing. You know it was Night Ranger who actually took us out on tour in '87, oh, and okay. essentially playing in front of those numbers of people helped us break the song "Rock Me." Mm-hmm. So you know, I in in many ways I'll, I'll for always be indebted to the boys in the band. You know for for having the belief in in taking out a little, a, a little band that was trying to pop and. And uh, you know, I've always had a, a a great affection for them for for giving us that opportunity. Yeah, and that's got to be kind of fun as an artist too to just go and completely play a new catalog. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've probably played Rock Me and Lady Red Light enough times that you could play it in your sleep. You know, but to get to play Still Rock in America. Yeah, and and you know, a lot of people think about those songs. They're just you know fun little pop songs but I'll tell you what that is an amazing band of musicians and I'll tell you what every part in that band whether it be guitar bass drums or keyboards they're all challenging you know these are not these are not you know uh just uh, the the easiest thing in the world so you know it was it was a, a great challenge for me to you know come up at the table to be able to do that and you know that was part of the fun of doing it too not only just playing those songs but you know the fact that I was really being tested at least the first uh, six months of, of everything is just really having to, to come to the table um, as a player. Sure. Yeah, I and mean, that's, that's got to be challenging yet, I imagine, very fun as a musician. Now, when you were in Night Ranger, did you did your path uh, cross paths with Red Beach? Was he in the band at the same time? Yeah, there was actually, I think, six dates I did with Reb. We did... Um, Two in North America, I think it was St. Louis, and uh, I want to say Texas. We did a show in Dallas, and then, uh, as I recall, uh, we did four shows in Japan in '07. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, Reb is actually a, a hometown guy. He lives, uh, still lives in Pittsburgh and has been on the show. Oh yeah. A lot of uh, um, a lot of uh, his influence felt in the Pittsburgh area. So I was just curious. I thought I thought there was a small window where you guys kind of had played together. Yeah, and it was it was at that time during early 2007 that we started to work on the Great White Record, Back to the Rhythm. Um, you know, Jack and I had always talked throughout the years, and uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, helped um, you know get through the you know, everything that was going on with the tragedy and stuff. And and then when we uh, he was really missing, you know, the feeling that he had when he stood on stage with the core group of people um, from Great White and wanted to get back to that place so we'd been talking you know a lot in uh the latter half of 2006 and um got together for his birthday um in 2006 out in palm springs and uh we all stood around each other and went um yeah this feels good and hey you know i'm sorry i said that yeah i'm sorry i said that hey let's get on with this let's make music because this is you know what we have the most fun at and you know um Two albums later, and you know, going on our third uh, tour, um, you know, it's still fun and it still makes sense. Yeah, I mean, for those um, not familiar, now you're you're looking at four of the five original members now doing this show. Yes, exactly. For Audi, yourself, Mark, and uh, Jack Russell. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're really seeing the 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 pure great white. This isn't a. Uh, Jack Russell and Friends, or something, or you know. no, this is not. Uh, as they say, Jack Russell's Great White. You know, it it, it really is is the band, and uh, our new bla- bass player Scott Snyder's been with us for three years. Um, he's just great. I mean, I, I think we might have actually really truly found, you know, our 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 kindred spirit in terms of of the bass position. You know, he just his vibe, his personality, the way he plays, the way he grooves with Audi, our drummer. Um, mm-hmm. It's just I I couldn't ask for more. So it it's definitely been a, a great experience, you know, so far with Scott. Okay, great. And you your newest CD out um, is on is it the Shrapnel Records? Or am I correct on that? Uh huh. Yeah, and it's on uh, Frontiers over in Europe and uh, okay. in the rest of the world. Now, is that the Shrapnel, the Mike Varney fame Shrapnel? Yeah. Same All the guitar shredders. Yeah, you're right up there with the cacophony and stuff now. You guys are gonna have to. <laughs> Yeah, I well, you like, know, Mike. Mike is a Mike's a great blues player too. I don't think a lot of people realize that. He he guests on a, a lot of his artist records. Oh. I mean, when he straps on a strat. The guy can rip. There's no doubt. And you know, the the one thing about his catalog is great. It's not just Cacophony. It's Greg Howe. It's Richie Kotzen. It's um, you know Leslie West. It's Michael Shanker. I mean, it's all over the map. You know, he's yeah. just all about guitar, and it's great. Yeah, I have. I, I used to look at his ads back in what. Have been, been guitar for the practicing musician to show my age. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. Ah, oh, who's this guy? You know, he's like checking all the little album covers. He's got Vinnie Moore and Tony McAlpine and all that. Oh sure. Great stuff. And it was like, Mom, can you get me these for Christmas? I want the you know because you couldn't just walk into your local record store and pick up a lot of that stuff. At least. That's true. Those are ones you had to order back then for sure. Yeah. You know, so one of your buddies would get Vinnie Moore and somebody else would get Tony McAlpine and you'd kind of swap and. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, um, I just want to let everybody know you're coming to the Pepsi Roadhouse on February 12th. Um, you're playing with Firehouse, who is, uh, for those of you, um, maybe the names don't ring the bell, that is the Don't Treat Me Bad and Love of a Lifetime, where they're uh, probably their biggest hits, uh, huge hits, if I remember correctly. And uh, local guys, Ashes to Ashes. Michael, I want to thank you for taking the time uh, 
getting up so early in the morning and talking to us. Well, thank you, John. It's 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 always a pleasure to uh, talk to somebody who who gets it. And uh, the fact that uh, you know Pittsburgh has always been amazing to us, and we are definitely looking forward to coming and rocking you. Great, awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, John. That was Ashes to Ashes with a song called Don't Count Me Out. Ashes to Ashes will be opening the show for Firehouse and Great White out at the uh, Pepsi Roadhouse in Burgettstown. 
Tickets to the show can be uh, found. Uh, you can follow the link on our website or go to Ticketmaster. The ticket prices do include dinner and parking. So when you're looking at the ticket price, um, you can kind of factor in what a meal and parking cost you anywhere in the city and realize they're a pretty sweet deal. Also, I'd like to announce now that we are giving away a pair of tickets to the show. If you go to ironcityrocks.com, click on the Great White Giveaway, one grand prize winner will receive the new CD, The Rising, from Great White, as well as two tickets to the show, and three runners-up will receive a copy of Rising as well. So don't hesitate to enter if you're local or if you're from out of town joining us, uh, you're welcome to enter as well. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, you can find more information about us at ironcityrocks.com. Or Iron City Rocks uh, is also on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Iron City Rocks and all the other social networking sites. There's links to all of those on our homepage, so we'd love to have you as a friend or a follower. Again, I hope you enjoyed the show. My name is John, and uh, be, stay tuned for some great interviews coming up in the future. <laughs>